2005 UTC right after the international news. Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is Sunny Side of Sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America! Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the December 1st edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Ten teams have now qualified for the FIFA World Cup's knockout stage at the start of Thursday's matches in Qatar. That means six places are still at stake at football's premier event. The ten teams that have advanced so far are, in alphabetical order, Argentina, Australia, Brazil, England, France, the Netherlands, Poland, Portugal, Senegal, and the United States. In World Cup results Wednesday, Argentina defeated Poland 2-0. Mexico beat Saudi Arabia 2-1. Australia edged Denmark 1-0. And Tunisia ended its World Cup campaign with a 1-0 win over former colonial ruler France. Tunisia's head coach, Jalel Kadri, described it as a bitter victory since his team did not go through. But he adds the Carthage Eagles of Tunisia can be proud and they'll leave Qatar with their heads high. And these Tunisian fans in Qatar celebrated their team's triumph over the defending World Cup champions. Amazing, amazing. We didn't have a lot of hope. Actually, uh, we, are, we, are, we are a little bit disappointed because we, 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 we lost against Australia. We did not qualify to the next, to the next, uh, to the next stage. Actually, uh, they did a great game today and we won 1 0. But inshallah, next, next uh, World Cup, uh, we will qualify to the second uh, stage. The Tunisian fans cheered when team captain Wabi Kazri scored in the 58th minute against the French. It was Tunisia's first goal at the World Cup, and even Tunisia's substitute players sprinted onto the pitch to celebrate the goal. The Carthage Eagles finished third in Group D with four points from three matches. France and Australia topped the group with six points each, with the French finishing first based on better goal difference. France will play Poland in the knockout round on Sunday, December 4th. The Socceroos of Australia, meanwhile, will play Lionel Messi in Argentina in the round of 16 on Saturday, December 3rd. Also on Saturday, the Netherlands will face the USA and we'll listen to the Lions roar on Sunday when the Lions of Taranga of Senegal go against the three Lions of England. England's manager Gareth Southgate says, and I quote, 
we must remember that we'll be playing against a very dangerous team in Senegal. Meanwhile, Senegal's captain, Chelsea man Khalidou Koulibaly says, and I quote, Two-thirds of the world thought we were done after Sadio Mane got injured before the World Cup. But the other third, us and Africa, had faith. The Lions of Taranga of Senegal keeping the faith in Qatar. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's king's sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. Asporto World Cup greetings, everyone. This is Ali Tomisange, a former assistant referee, World Cup 2002. Please listen to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Ali Tomasange made history at that 2002 FIFA World Cup, jointly hosted by Japan and South Korea. He became the first and only Ugandan to officiate at a World Cup. Magume Davis Rakawinj caught up with Tomosange recently in Kampala, and Tomosange shared some of his experiences. Sporty World Cup greetings, Magume. Sporty World Cup greetings to Tusani and our listeners. Uganda retired referee Ali Tomosange says it requires a lot of preparations and experience officiating at the world's biggest football stage, the World Cup. Tomosange made this trade and remains the only Ugandan to ever officiate at the World Cup, the 2002 Korea-Japan World Cup, where he amassed four games to his name, including high preference, like the quarterfinals. He had to start with the local, regional, and international tournaments for both junior and senior teams, such as the 1998 AFCON, AFCON Under-20, the Under-20 World Cup, held in Nigeria in 1999, and the 2000 African Cup of Nations that was co-hosted by Nigeria and Ghana. So in 2000, I went for the first uh, Club World Cup in Brazil. Um, then uh, I simply passed from Brazil straight to Ghana for the AFCON. Then that same year, I went for Olympics, Sydney. Then um, 2002, I was also appointed for my second uh, AFCON, Africa Cup of Nations, and from there... I went to the World Cup. Officiating at the World Cup isn't any easier, Tomusange says. It's not easy. Of course, there's a lot of pressure, whether you like it or not. There's a lot of pressure, but because you've been, at least you've gone through some big tournaments, at least you feel you're at that level, but always the pressure is there. The pressure is there. He says routines like pre-kick-off warm-ups with opposing teams yields more confidence and reduces pressure, especially for high-profile games. He's also a great proponent of modern technology, such as the video assistant referee Oval that is being used at this year's World Cup. He remembers an incident at the 2002 World Cup 
where he was confronted by Spanish striker Fernando Morientes for ruling out his goal against host South Korea. To me, well, I think uh, they are trying to achieve, at, at, at least they are achieving what they wanted, fairness. I think if we had Val by that time, I don't think Morietes would have come to me. I don't think. Because he would have, uh, the, the rules of Val is that the assistant should wait to put up the flag. Probably I would have followed that. I would not have put up the flag and then it would have been checked. So there would be no reason why Morientes would come to me. So even the match officials now, Val has lessened their pressure, I'm telling you. Andrew Mangusha, a sports analyst in Uganda, says Omusange inspires referees both in Uganda and in East Africa. He is quite resilient and it, it, it can tell in his, in his role of honor and how far he went. And much officials, of course, they look at him. He went to the highest level possible uh, for, 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 for being an assistant referee. They look at him and they continue dreaming. We've had quite a number at AFCON. We've not had any other at uh, World Cup. Ali Tomsang, quite a legacy. And uh, we are lucky that he's still alive with us and he's serving with FUFA. So he's still that role model, any, 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 any uh, aspiring referee in the country to look at and say, well, I want that. Tomusange is also proud of fellow East African, Rwandan referee Salima Mkansanga, who made history as the first African woman to officiate at the Men's World Cup. He says Mkansanga and two other female referees at this year's World Cup will inspire other women to join football careers as players officials. Of course, they are going to inspire other, other women. Those who think that football is for men only, now women are on stage, the biggest stage. So other women, girls, they are going to be inspired to join refereeing. And exactly this is what FIFA wants. They want uh, FIFA, CAF, they want women to deal with their own games. Okay? Uh, we have, uh, there was always a challenge. Why do you appoint women? Uh, locally here in Uganda. Uh, why are you appointing women on, on our matches, uh, on men's matches? Now that they are seeing them even at the World Cup, believe me, they are going to keep quiet now. Yes. Mukansanga was the fourth referee as defending champions. Le Blanc of France worked Austria 4-1 in the Group D opener at Arjunobu Stadium. Tomusange currently serves as a football consultant and referee instructor. For the sunny side of sports, I am Mugume, Davis Rwakarinji Kampala, Uganda. Thanks, Mugume. From Kampala, let's go south to Johannesburg, where Darren Taylor reports on some of the highly rated African referees at the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. FIFA says it's appointed match officials strictly on merit. And it's difficult to argue with that when studying the resumes of Africa's referees. Zambia's Jani Sikazwe, for example, officiated the 2016 FIFA Club World Cup final between Real Madrid and Japanese hosts Kashima Antlers. He took charge of the final of the 2017 African Cup of Nations or AFCON tournament between Cameroon and Egypt before blowing the whistle at the 2018 World Cup tournament in Russia. Then there's Mustafa Gorbal of Algeria, who had the unenviable task of being in the middle of the 2020 African Champions League final between Egypt's bitter rivals Al-Akhli and Zamalek. 
South African Victor Gomez is considered one of the continent's leading refs and was in charge of the AFCON final between Egypt and Senegal in February. Gomez made international sportscasts after telling Egyptian superstar striker Mo Salah to stop whining like a baby before sarcastically offering him his whistle. Gomez says if players give him stick, he throws it right back. Players also need to take responsibility. It's not only the referee. We are only reactive to what's happening from the players. Why are people not saying, hey, we take responsibility for our team not performing today? We have a responsibility as officials, players, coaches to uplift the game because it ultimately it's the game we all serve. He says players, managers, fans and the media are usually too quick to blame the ref when things go wrong. You are going to be the centre of attention, whether it be for good or for bad. At the end of the day, is we need to stop saying, ah, it's so many this, so many this. No, the laws don't apply for number of free kicks or number of fouls or whatever. We need to look and say, okay, is the decision supportable? Is it the correct decision? According to FIFA regulations, World Cup officials are given their assignments 72 hours before kickoff. Gomez says he's looking forward to being surprised in terms of which matches he gets to ref. Yeah, you should never let your guard down, and especially in refereeing, you you know, I always say that when you're a referee, you're the chief problem solver. So you never know, there's always something different, something new. So we just prepare what we can prepare. Our big boss always tells us, do what you can today to prepare for tomorrow. And, uh, you know, you never know what you can expect, and you can never say you're ready, but you just keep fighting, you keep working, and, uh, yeah, the results will show in the end. The video assistant referee or VAR system will be used in Qatar something that's not used in South Africa's Premier Soccer League, where Gomez usually refs. But he says he's more than prepared for VAR. We've had many good courses and, and we've been had a lot of training sessions. Obviously, the transition between doing games without VR and with VR, that is the only problem we have. But there is no future of football or football refereeing without VR. VR is here to stay. And, you know, it just helps us. I mean, how many times you finish a game and you're like, hey, if I had seen that, I would have made a better decision. So with VR, it gives you that second chance. And if applied correctly within its protocols, it's here to benefit football, football players, everybody. A FIFA panel will evaluate match officials after every group stage game. Those who score highest will get to handle contests in the round of 16. Gomez says he sees no reason why he can't be one of them. Or Rwandan ref Salima Mukansanga. Gomez met her at the AFCON tournament, where she became the first woman to referee a Cup of Nations game, a group match that saw Zimbabwe defeat Guinea. In the last few minutes, Mukansanga booked five Zimbabwean players. And a yellow card for time-wasting. Well, that's been a common thread here at the Cup of Nations. She dropped her card along the way. In Qatar, Mukansanga will join Stephanie Frappa of France and Yoshimi Yamashita of Japan as the first women to officiate at the Men's World Cup. Gomez has no doubt about the pedigree of the Rwandan and all Africa's referees in Qatar. Although, he says with a smile, he hopes it's his pedigree that shines through to the round of 16 and perhaps even further. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Thanks, Darren. The South African referee, Victor Gomez, who we heard from in Darren's report, is scheduled to officiate Thursday evening's World Cup match between Japan and Spain. 
the Spaniards, who lifted the World Cup in South Africa in 2010, currently lead Group E with four points from two matches. Japan and Costa Rica have three points, and four-time world champion Germany, surprisingly, at the bottom of the table with one point. The Germans are playing the Costa Ricans on Thursday evening. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's king's sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. In honor of World AIDS Day, we reprise a conversation with AIDS activist, journalist, and historian Emily Bass about her book, To End a Plague, America's Fight to Defeat AIDS in Africa. She discusses the significance of PEPFAR, the president's emergency plan for AIDS relief created under former President George W. Bush. That's Press Conference USA this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. It was a busy night on Wednesday in the National Basketball Association. And the two high scorers were Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns and Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. We'll hear from Tatum and Booker now in this report by the AP's John Letherby. 13 games in the NBA with two huge individual efforts helping their teams to victory. In Boston, Jason Tatum had 49 points and 11 boards and went 8 of 12 from three-point range. And the Celtics 134-121 win over Miami. A lot of two-on-one actions, uh, finding an open man and just kind of being in the right spot. Uh, you know, especially in that, the first couple minutes of the game, the way we were just moving the ball. Um, you know, and, you know, I've seen a couple go down early. So, you know, just shooting in rhythm. At Phoenix, Devin Booker dropped 51 points, including 6 of 7 from beyond the arc, leading the Suns to a 132-115 win over Chicago. I figured I was going to come out, you know, at the end of the third. So a lot of people get on my case when I fall short of 50. I always tell them I've done that before and didn't win. So I'd rather win. Um, but tonight we got to do both. This is one of the nights where it was falling, those games where I miss a lot of shots, and I'm like, i got to keep shooting them. You know, I, I train enough to where I know I'm supposed to make them. And, you know, unbelievable screens tonight, unbelievable team game. Um, and beginning to end, we play really well. 
Giannis Antetokounmpo had 37 points and 13 rebounds. The Bucks hung on for a 109-103 win over the Knicks. The team was able to get stops down the stretch and rebound down the stretch and execute the, the play really well. And Grayson made the big shot, so I'm happy that we were able to get the win. Cavaliers got balanced scoring in a 113-85 W over the Sixers. Karis LeVert scored a team-high 22 points off the bench. Darius Garland had 21 points and 9 assists. And Donovan Mitchell chipped in 18 points and 6 helpers. Evan Mobley scored 16 first-half points in the Cavs' first win in their last six meetings with the Sixers. Joel Embiid was high man for the 76ers with 19 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists. There's Dave Ferry. Other Wednesday winners included the Pelicans, Lakers, Kings, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Timberwolves, the Thunder, Denver, and the Jazz. I'm John Leatherby. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Turning to tennis, two of the sport's all-time greats, Roger Federer and Serena Williams, retired this year. Between them, Roger and Serena won 43 Grand Slam singles titles. Federer won 20 major tournaments, and Williams won 23. 41-year-old Serena Williams turned professional in 1995, and Roger Federer, also 41, turned pro in 1998. Many of Serena's professional peers on the Women's Tennis Association Tour commented on her legacy. In this sunny side of sports highlight for 2022, we'll hear from some of them now, starting with world number one Iga Świątek of Poland. Um, she has done so much, and honestly, for me, it's still pretty surreal when I see her and... I still feel like, you know, um, I'm just a kid who's who's watching, you know, and um, I watch her my my whole life. Basically, she, she was everywhere because she always, <laughs> always won uh, and was somewhere in the same finals or, or the finals. So I didn't always feel like um, I'm this kind of player who can like play similar tennis because she always seemed so strong and really stronger than any of her opponents physically. Uh but mentally, for sure, um, she's the one who's going to show you how to use your position and how to kind of intimidate with being number one. Um, and I'm not, I'm trying to do that, you know. I don't know if it's going well or not. We're going to see probably in a couple of months or maybe next season. Uh, but for sure, she's she's the great example. And especially um, also with how she copes with having business and playing at the same time or being a mother and playing at the same time. It's just amazing. It's not like uh, many athletes have, athletes have done that. So um, I 
I I think it's great that we have somebody like that in our sport to who cleared the path and kind of show us that you can do anything and sky's the limit that's the 2022 u.s open champion iga sviantek of poland iga also counts two french open titles among her three major championships naomi osaka of japan has won four grand slam titles two Australian Opens, and two U.S. Opens. And Naomi says Serena Williams has a lasting legacy. I think that her legacy is really wide to the point where you can't even describe it in words. Like, she changed the sport so much. She's introduced people that have never heard of tennis um, into the sport and I think I'm a product of what she's done I wouldn't be here without um, Serena Venus you know her whole family and I'm like very thankful to her and what was really weird is I watched her first match in Toronto before she announced it and for some reason I just started crying because I felt it like I felt like um you know, when I played her in Australia people were like that's the last time she's going to be in Australia I was like, dang, I, I really don't want this to be true. And then um, I kind of felt like she was gearing up for her last U.S. swing. And I just started crying. And then she announced it the day later. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is this is what devastation must feel like. But yeah, I mean, it's just really it really is an honor just to keep watching her play. Meanwhile, 18 year old American Coco Goff says Venus Williams and Serena Williams are her tennis idols. She says Serena and Venus are the reason she wanted to pick up a tennis racket. And Coco talks about when she first met Serena. Um, so I first met Serena. She doesn't probably definitely doesn't know this. I don't I think I was nine or ten years old and um, they needed a stunt double to play a young version of her just to face down uh, I think it was for a Delta commercial I don't even think they ever used it I don't think they ever used it but that was like my first check I ever got as a kid um, so so she doesn't know this but the first money I ever made for myself was because of her doing a commercial so I met her and I stopped by her trailer took a picture and she did yeah I don't she probably doesn't even know but yeah my mom actually sent me a picture like a couple weeks ago of me like waiting um, getting my hair done by the people and then I think really just her the way she was able to transcribe in the sport that's predominantly white I feel like that's something as a little girl and even now um just meant a lot to me um especially like growing up there wasn't you know I would say before I was born, there wasn't many. And before Serena came along, there wasn't, you know, not really an icon of the sport that looked like me. And so growing up, I never thought that I was different because, you know, the number one player in the world was somebody who looked like me. So I think that's the biggest thing that I can take from what I've learned from Serena. Then also on a more personal personal level, I got to, you know, have a couple conversations with, with her um, later on in life. And um, I think it's just the way that she handles her, herself and she never puts herself down. And I love that she always elevates herself. And a lot of times being a woman and in the world, a black woman in the world, you kind of 
settle for less. And I feel like Serena um, just taught me that from watching her. She never settled for less. I don't. I can't think of a moment in her in her career and her life that she settled for less. And I think that's something that I took from. And I never, me as a person, as I'm growing into being an adult and learning um, how to handle things now um, with media and tennis and everything, I'm trying to learn to not settle for less. That's American tennis player Coco Goff commenting on the legacy of Serena Williams. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's king's sport. In-depth coverage, Pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. That wraps up the December 1st edition of the show. I get it. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.